is the Sports Gamery Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Forbes. It is the week after the NFL draft, and pretty pumped up. We just had our first sporting event in, what, six to seven weeks. Today we are joined by Mr. Brandon Brister, who's actually joining us from out in Indianapolis, Indiana. We're also joined by Mr. Newman, and of course, my lovely wife, Jackie, who didn't really prepare for the podcast, but she's prepared to be the peanut gallery. So Jackie, we are going to be relying on you to just rip on Newman throughout the cast. We're probably going to go for about an hour and five, maybe an hour and ten minutes. I'd like for you to fill about 50 minutes of that at just Newman riffs. A burden I am willing to bear. Amazing. Amazing. That's why you married me. That's right. So, it's the week after the draft. Of course, everyone's posting up their, you know, their reactions to the draft. Um... I've read some interesting takes, uh, some conflicting takes uh, from a lot of websites that I find really interesting. Some teams that I thought were just slam dunk drafts and, uh, you know, analysts that disagree with it. I always find that interesting Um, when I look at, you know, draft board and you can see it so differently from somebody else. um, What is your, what was the biggest splash of the draft, Brandon? Uh, for me, it was the non-first-round quarterbacks. Um, it was it was Hurts going to Philly, where or yeah, Jalen Hurts going to Philly, where Wentz is pretty much locked locked into a contract for a couple of years. Not, I think you're just bringing on unnecessary drama there, uh, and then again, the whole situation going on in Green Bay. That's just an extremely messy situation, and you're brought it upon yourself for what reason? Is it because it's worked in the past? I'm not sure, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on both the Packers and the Eagles' new quarterback situations. Did the Packers make a splash? Did something happen? <laughs> I haven't heard anyone talking about it. No, not at all. Yeah, obviously uh, the Packers were the – storyline of the draft uh, you know there were a lot more interesting picks I thought but I mean undeniably that that was that was the splash of the draft I mean Newman what was going through your head when that went down really really dumb like I thought Ted Thompson was still running the team uh but it's not it's Gudikin or whatever the hell his name is and uh to me it was just a real the biggest thing is and I'm sure you've heard this other places opportunity cost right because by drafting a successor to Aaron Rodgers before you need to draft a successor to Aaron Rodgers for a team that got absolutely shelled during the NFC Championship game, you should have addressed some real weaknesses that you actually had. Maybe get a wide receiver, maybe fix that defensive running game. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things you could, done, could have done with that pick that would have helped your team succeed this in this coming season, 2020. Drafting a quarterback is not one of them. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of um, Kevin in our fantasy drafts because Kevin one year, he's always the wild card. Everyone's got the wild card in their fantasy draft. Kevin is definitely ours. And one year, he he doesn't shy away from the wild card role. 
And the reason is, one year, about five years ago, six years ago, I'm not even sure when it was, he unabashedly took Aaron Rodgers in the first round when he easily could have taken him in, like, the fourth. And we just ripped on him for weeks. We have a draft weekend, everybody, uh, everyone in our league, and we go just buck wild. We run a house. We get so drunk, you you wouldn't even imagine it. By the time draft day rolls around, it starts on a Friday, Labor Day weekend. By the time draft day rolls around, everyone is so out of their minds, just hung over, just not knowing what to do. And Kevin, whether he drank or not that weekend, and he usually drinks the least, he always has these wild card picks. So he picked Aaron Rodgers one year, and it actually worked out for him. That year, he actually had a really good season. Aaron Rodgers was like the definitive MVP that year. And he does it every year now. <laughs> just completely. So for me, the, that, that seemed like kind of the, what the Packers were doing. It was like, hey, we did this 15 years ago, and it worked out. You know, how many times has that actually worked out? They you know, they clearly just got an, an absolute steal 15 years ago with Aaron Rodgers. And I've been saying it a million times. This The situations are not comparable. They're not the same situation. Absolutely not. I mean... <clears throat> now, lightning doesn't strike twice there. I mean, I did misspeak saying that uh, Kevin, our beloved pick wasn't in the first round. It was there at the end at 26. But yeah, I mean, what are the odds that they're going to strike gold twice it's just not realistic and it's not even thinking about the PR implications it's not thinking about team chemistry it sends the wrong message I mean even if they happen to hit the lottery again on another top 10 quarterback of all time how, I mean they just ruined their current top 10 quarterback of all times end of his career it, it just it has so much more ram, ramifications on whether it was a good pick or not there's a million storylines, and like you said, they've all been covered. How about the downside risk? How about if Jordan Love is a complete bust? Then you've literally wasted one of the premium picks for the very end of Aaron Rodgers' career when you had a championship window, theoretically. Exactly. And that's the thing is, you do so much more than just gamble on a, on an unproven quarterback. You know what I'm saying? You disrupt the chemistry, like, like Brandon was saying. So it's not just that... Jordan Love might not pan out. It's that now Aaron Rodgers might be so disgruntled that you may have to force a trade for him as soon as next year. And by the way, the cap hit on that is like 17 plus. If they do it this year, it's 33. What if Aaron Rodgers says, I'm not playing for the Packers anymore. Get me the hell out of here. I mean, trade me. It, I don't think that's a realistic scenario because. First of all, Aaron Rodgers is one of the top paid quarterbacks in the NFL, but I don't I don't think that does because they're not going to trade him, right? I mean that they would opt to just keep him and just ride it out than trade him. Well, well would you? Because I mean, let's 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 play this out for a second. If Aaron Rodgers decides he's not going to play, right? I don't know who else is on their quarterback depth chart. Do you would if you're the Packers? Like, let's say he's actually committed to holding out, right? So he holds out for the beginning of whatever season we do have. Do you roll Jordan Love out there? Then you've basically closed your potential championship window for this year, and you're kind of in a rebuild. Like you had a, a really good team last year. You made the NFC Championship game without Aaron Rodgers. That's a that's a he covers a lot of issues on that team. Yeah. So would you try to bring in Cam Newton as I mean because he's the only quarterback really left on the market or or Andy Dalton or something. But other than that, you have to either turn to uh, what is it? I I don't even know who the backup is right there. Um, but is Jordan Love the guy that you go to or whatever backup you have that that all of a sudden really hurts that team. So you might 
be willing to trade him if, if, so, if he really is so committed to holding out. We were sitting here. We we were sitting here last week talking about how after the draft, all of us are so excited because we think our team has a chance to win a Super Bowl. What are the Packers talking about? The Packers aren't talking about going to the Super Bowl. The Packers are talking if their team will even compete. Like, listen to everything you just said. Like, all three of us sat here last Tuesday and talked about how every NFL team feels like they have a chance to win after the draft. Hopes are never as high for a team after the draft. And that isn't even on in the realm of what Packers fans are thinking about right now. Drew, you must be loving this as a Vikings fan. Yeah, but I'll tell you that Packers fans are idiots. Like, just one of the dumbest fan bases I've ever seen. And the thing is, because here's, here's the thing about the Packers. They have this wide, I don't know if you guys know this, they actually have the second largest fan base besides the Cowboys in the NFL. Um, and get, and how many people do you know that are from Wisconsin? Very few. Very few. It's, it's because the Packers won the first two Super Bowls. Um, they were historically good all through the 90s. Uh, very good, you know. Well, um, and the, people can actually own the Packers. Like they I had, could own the Packers, or they, at least a portion of them right and, now. And they've had extremely marketable. Uh, I don't. The stock really doesn't have a lot to do. How, how many Packers fans do you know that own Packers stock? It's pretty unattainable at this point, um, and it's pretty worthless, by the way. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is, they have a lot of bandwagon fans. The Packers do because of how good they've been over the last 30 years. If you talk to their fans, and every fan base has dumb fans, they have especially dumb fans. So f- somehow. I guarantee you Packers fans are out there going, yeah, we're going back to back to back, Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And the thing is, the thing that bothers me the most is the fact that I have to say that Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers drives me nuts. They're not the same guy. They're not the same situation. Jordan Love's one of those guys that kind of skyrocketed after the combine. Aaron Rodgers was definitively... He wasn't like a guy that just blew up in the combine. It's actually the exact opposite. Alex Smith blew up in the combine and inevitably stole Aaron Rodgers' spot in San Francisco. But Aaron Rodgers was widely considered the best quarterback in that draft. I don't know a single scout, a single scout out there that graded Jordan Love as the number one. So so you see what I'm saying? Like People are trying to compare those situations. They are not the same guys. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has not been threatening retirement. for. he's He's a certified asshole in real life. But he is, the situations are so different, and I'm tired of them being compared. Um, this is going to go down in history as just one of the most confusing picks. And then they go in the second round, and what do they do? They draft a running back. Yep. Well, that was a position they definitely needed to fill, right? A fullback. Yeah. Their running back led the league last year in touchdowns, was very productive on the field um, from an advanced metric stat and from just a pure yardage and touchdown stat. That was even to me, even more mind boggling somehow than the Jordan love pick. Cause it's like, what the, what the hell are you doing? It was, that was just, when that happened, that's, you were talking about me as a Vikings fan. That's when I really was like, wow, they're fucked. This is some like reality TV show drama that's going on in, in the Packers. I mean, just put them on the real housewives. Cause this is. is what this nonsense or, or is. Or hard knocks or something. I'm excited for it to unfold. I hope the season doesn't get stolen from us because that's another storyline now. You have so many storylines going to this year. I mean, we are talking about one of the most interesting off seasons I can ever remember. Like, think about it. How many quarterbacks change teams? How many, you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks are on the twilight of their career? It's such an interesting year. Please, football gods, do not take this year away from us. I think we also might see 
how many teams right now can you look at and be like, hey, this team is definitely going to tank for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields right now? Is there any team that you could point to where they're like, you should absolutely just tank? I think the Pats. I, I think, weirdly enough, I think it is oddly the Pats' strategy to tank this year. Okay. So, outside of them, who else? Isn't Jacksonville? I, I don't, what about Jacksonville? I, I don't think Jacksonville is trying to tank. I, th- I think um, th- th- they haven't shown anything that, that would indicate that, really. They had a really I mean, good draft. They, they did have a good draft, but, I mean, look at their quarterback. They're running out their running back. Um, their wide receivers. Well, their running are... back runs his mouth too much for a guy who's not that good. Yeah, true. And I mean, their their defense was decimated um, between trades and and um, off season departures. So I mean, I think that Jacksonville, I think, is the worst team in the NFL. Um, does that mean they're tanking necessarily? No, but I I would think Jacksonville, looking at looking at teams next year, is definitely a bottom three team. Well. Let's let's not get too distracted because I, I do want to stay with the Aaron Rodgers situation because it's clearly the most interesting storyline from the draft. But let's talk about the reasoning behind it because there's got to be a reason. The reason is not that they think Aaron Rodgers is done. Aaron Rodgers is clearly not done. He was a seventh-ranked PFF quarterback last year. Uh, statistically, he threw for 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. The guy had a very it's, it's it's even it's a crime to even say it was a serviceable year. It was a good year. Um, and their offense really is um, not that good. Imagine if they had a wide receiver that didn't have 48 less catches than Devontae Adams on the team, and Devontae Adams missed four games. Like, literally the next best pass catcher had 40 less yeah. catches than Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams missed a quarter of the season. Right. And so, so they, they could have picked look up... look at all the wide receivers that went in the second round. Look at all the wide receivers that went at the end of the first round. Or in the draft entirely. It yeah. was a loaded wide receiver group. It really was. Yeah. So, just confusing all around. But the, So, there is something that's leaking right now. Uh, apparently, it's not just the GM's decision. There are rumors that Le- Matt LaFour, and this is an exact quote from a, from a guy who leaked this within the organization, is done with Aaron Rodgers. When I read that, I was like... You got a coach that comes in one year, one year, and he's already calling all the shots over your Hall of Fame quarterback. I could see that if the quarterback is on the decline. Like Brett Favre was clearly on the decline when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. And he also threatened retirement how many times? Exactly. Like Aaron Rodgers, you know, say what you want about the guy. I heard personally he's a complete piece of shit. And I, yeah, I, you, he's one of those guys you can kind of just look at him and be like, yeah, that guy's a piece of shit. He, he definitely comes off as an asshole. For sure. And so I can buy that he's an asshole, but there's a lot of assholes in the NFL that have won a lot. Tom Brady being one of them. I mean, some people get don't really get along with Tom Brady. They, they manage to squash the beef with Tom Brady, but I think that, you know, I, I could see Tom Brady being an arrogant asshole. The problem is the Packers can't just manage his ego and so it just speaks to what a terrible organization they still are. And if Matt LaFour came in for one season and he thinks he's the new guy after one successful year, get the fuck out of here. Like that, that to me just speaks to how awful the Packers are as an organization still. How can they be so successful and so bad? Okay, so here's a wild trade proposal. If you're the New England Patriots, what would you trade for Aaron Rodgers right now today? I love the question. I, 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 it's 
man, if anyone's going to pull off a wild trade for Aaron Rodgers, it's Bill Belichick and the, and the New England Patriots. But I, I don't know what their assets are looking like, but you do everything you can, right? I mean, is, we, we gotta stop. Aaron Rodgers is a better Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback right now than Tom Brady and still look how good that New England Patriots team was last year. You know, you put Aaron Rodgers on the Patriots and I think they're right up there in the upper echelon of the AFC again. And pair him with Josh McDaniels coordinating that offense too and the kind of we're going to take what our team does well and emphasize that. Guys, I think we it's an interesting hypothetical, but the hypothetical has to be them trading for him next year because the, them trading for him this year, it's just not going to happen. It's it's so unrealistic, like over $30 million of dead cap, nobody makes that trade unless the situation is so dire, which we right, don't but, know that so it is. So here's the thing. The dead cap affects more the Packers, right, than it does the Patriots because the Packers paid the bonus money on the contract. So they eat the dead cap money, not the Patriots in, in as an acquiring team, which means they might have to give up more picks. But So it's more so the Packers wouldn't trade him away versus a team wouldn't trade for him. Well, yeah, duh. That's what I'm talking about. They, they, it's a terrible investment on the Packers' side to trade him, w- regardless, really, what they get in terms of picks. And from the Patriots, I, I doubt they're going to get a first-rounder. The Patriots are keeping their first-rounder this year um, because even with Aaron Rodgers, I don't think that's a very good team. They could probably scrap together a 9-win, 10-win season. I mean, the defense was still pretty good last year. Are you saying? Are you saying the Patriots roster is worse than the Packers roster right now? Uh, no, I'm not saying that at all. But I, I think that Bill Belichick is a guy that he doesn't. He's one of those guys that he's won it so many times. He doesn't give a fuck if he if he can make it to the AFC Championship with Aaron Rodgers. He's looking for the long term benefit of that organization, and I truly believe the pa- the Patriots are assembling themselves right now to grab their quarterback next year because they haven't made any moves. They could have grabbed grabbed Jameis. They didn't. They could have grabbed Cam. They didn't. They still could, but there's no indications that they are. Uh, So it seems like they're going to roll with Stidham and just kind of screech to one of their worst seasons ever. And if the Patriots tank for Tua and then all of a sudden, or tank for Trevor and then all of a sudden have, you know, maybe one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Trevor Lawrence for the next 20 years, everyone's going to hate themselves. What did you say about Trevor Lawrence? Uh, who knows? He 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 has he has ridiculous upside. He has Peyton Manning level upside. So yeah, he does. But he statistically underwhelms his actual expectations. Now, fresh freshman year, sure, he doesn't even play half the game. True, but he statistically, you know, definitely overperformed his freshman year. And I think last year he took a step back. So we'll we'll see what Trevor Lawrence does this season. I really like him, of course. Um, I think he would be a perfect, terrifying fit for the Patriots, but. Anyways, we're getting sidetracked. The main reason that Drew likes him is because he's so darn pretty. Yeah, he's a, he's a lady man. So virtual draft. What were you guys' thoughts on that? That was weird. So cringy. It was beautiful. Oh, God. It was... I thought, I thought Goodell was cringy as fuck. They milked every viewer. I mean, did you guys see the ratings? I mean, it was... How many times are they going to report those ratings? The NFL. Yeah, and it, it every part of it, whether it was Thursday night or Friday night, was dragged out. the The commercials were in your face; they were sentimental. They were playing to an audience. I mean, I thought the virtual draft itself was awful, the awfully done. But we got sports back, so I gritted through it. But the the virtual draft setup itself and the the 
basic scam and in-your-faceness of it, I hated it. How many sob stories were there? I feel it was just like an unreasonable amount of just like, this is the terrible thing that happened to this person in their life, which is, which is wonderful. That's just ESPN style. It's like, it's so fucking cringy when they do it though. I agree. It was overdone. It's always, it's always like Brandon Thomas, uh, quarterback from, from Utah state. When Brandon Thomas was 18 years old, he met a special friend. And then it's like, like a, uh, Jordan Lyles was the ball boy for, you know what I'm saying? It's like, what the fuck is going, like, why do you, why do you want to bring down this Everything big moment with this weird soft Disney story? story? Yeah, everything has to be a, a B-plot Disney movie. And I mean, it, it's, it's either a B-plot Disney movie or it's an ASPCA commercial. I mean, it's either or, like th- those are the two situations they give you. Like, I'm either going to make you cry or I'm going to turn this into a movie. And both of them are pathetic and cringy. Agreed. Yeah. yeah just, I mean, my, my thoughts kind of echo you on that for the most part. For sure. It's just so cringy. Just why? Why Why do you have to stretch for drama? Um, just tell what we should like about the guy. Like, nobody cares about, you know, the, the kid he helped out. Like, I mean, some people care, but it's mostly like a localized thing, like, People who cheered for him on the team he came from or the team he's going to probably like that, but it's just like, move on. But you're right. They didn't milk the ratings like crazy. But but so, I mean, those are stories that you could let the local writers tell to be like, hey, get to know such and such draft pick, and then they'll have an opportunity to, you know what I mean? Like, But anyway, uh, my least favorite thing probably about the draft is when they had the musical performances where they had some random artist <laughs> for no reason come in here and just play a song at their house that was virtual, you know, virtual whatever. And it's like, listen, especially day three. By the time you get to day three, if somebody's actually still watching the draft, do you really think they give a crap about any random artist performing this? Or do they want to hear about what this guy did in games against such and such team or whatever? Like, give me some stats on the dude. I don't need to hear your freaking performance of America the Beautiful, Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> well, between that and... Another thing that, like... Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, Another thing Brandon. that really bothered me was we're, we're trying to kind of get away from COVID-19, right? We're trying to forget about it. And every 15 to 20 minutes, there was a COVID-19 related news story or tribute or something. It's like, I want to use the draft as an escape. I don't want to use this as you continuing to put this in front of my face. That was another thing that just bothered the hell out of me. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, too. It, uh, the draft was our, our, our first chance at a sporting event, and we want to forget about the fact that we've all been quarantined for the last uh, month and a half, and all they want to do is remind us about it. So. And speaking yeah. of quarantines, though, those families all stuck in there awkwardly together. I don't know what was cringier, that or the just the plot lines for... Well, who is, the, who, who is the cringiest family setup? I have a definitive number one, and it can't be beaten, I don't think. I don't think that I was necessarily rating the, the families on cringiest setups. Where'd you cringe? Like, you, you know oh, you had a moment. On, it, there was an awkward moment. There's so many. I mean, Tua didn't seem all that excited to be heading to the Dolphins. Yes! Tua was exactly. so unexcited. Tua, Tua's parent. He knows did what comes see, with being a Dolphin. Did you see that fucking room? I've had better parties with office workers. You know what I'm saying? Like, that looked so fucking boring. It was like his two parents... <laughs> Looked like they didn't give a shit. His son, their son was about to be drafted in the top 10. Just kind of looking there like stone-faced. 
And maybe they just weren't prepared to be on TV at that moment. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but smile a little bit. You know, it's and he's in a suit, like a full up suit, like hey, on the if, couch. If if your if your son is is preparing for like the biggest moment of his of his lifetime, getting drafted in the NFL, and he's wearing a full blown suit, maybe you could wear something other than you know a t shirt and shorts. Well, yeah. it's Hawaii formal though. So at least go Hawaii formal on it though, but like they they weren't it wasn't even like that. Like I mean, th- at least his sisters they had dresses on and stuff. But yeah, whatever. It was a creepy room, the Tua room. You have any favorites, Brandon? I mean, rugs changing into the robe was weird. I don't. I mean, I get the product placement. But wasn't it Old Spice? I think. Like I get why he did it, but he like changed almost on screen, like. How, how don't they cut away from that? Like, cut away and fill anything other than him, like, putting, standing up and putting on the robe and getting everything adjusted. It was like watching somebody get dressed, and it, it was very awkward. I love it, though. The Old Spice thing, like, absolutely. Sign me up. Who's, his agent was a genius in that one. You, you love watching guys get dressed in robes? No, I love the money grab of like, hey, all right, we're going to use this, this whatever 10 seconds of airtime that I have, and we're going we're gonna to fit a commercial in so that I can get an endorsement already going. But also, who doesn't like seeing people get dressed in robes? It's must-see TV, especially if you're a wide receiver in the first round. What are y'all's thoughts on the, uh, the girlfriends? The, the CD Lamb uh, phone the... grab with the girlfriend where his, fo- his girlfriend grabbed his phone and he like snatches it out of his hand. Well, he's got quick hands. Was that better than Russell Wilson though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Russ- Russell Wilson is the greatest of all time. There's really no doubting it. And there, if- was, there was huge amounts of shade thrown her way in, throughout the course of the draft. Like Who? The, the, his, his ex-wife. You're talking about Russell Wilson or... Yeah, Russell, yeah, yeah, Russell Wilson's ex-wife. Okay. There was there was shade thrown at her throughout the There should have been. What is this I, monster I, I, woman, and what has she done to Russell Wilson? I feel like there was even a moment where Roger Goodell kind of called her out. <laughs> well, fucking all right. So, so speaking of Russell Wilson, like, is that just a bad sign for Wisconsin? Like, how, how ugly is that campus if that's who Russell Wilson... Ah, maybe that's shallow. I don't know. But she... It, it wasn't just... I don't, she wasn't really necessarily ugly. Just, like terrifying like cartoonish you know what i'm saying I, I, i'm not familiar with the backstory do we know that she he met her at wisconsin because uh, he, he only spent so. he only spent one year at wisconsin so have you ever seen the urchins that go to green bay games i think i think she's from wisconsin okay. i'd guess all right well we're just maybe gonna, not we're just Who gonna knows? keep ripping on on wisconsin yeah anyways she's with sierra now but roger goodell i you got a little bit of a taste of what it's like to go to a bad dinner party at roger goodell's house you've been to like somebody's house and it's like you walk in and like maybe you've been drinking a little bit and like the vibe is way more calm than you were prepared for and it just like crushes you a little bit that's what if i felt like every time it like clicked over to roger goodell there was this really awkward moment in the first round and that's the most i watched was the first round where he was kind of sitting there going like ha ha everyone likes to boo me <laughs> he was like do you remember that when he was like trying to make a joke about people booing him yeah and it was just so somber and like creepy i the roger goodell i could not get over how creepy he was throughout also did you see that their auction or yeah. i don't know if they happened but the the auction for to to watch a game at his at his in his basement in his man cave or whatever it's not even like a cool man cave it sounds like a <laughs> horror movie jesus who would sign up for that yeah, I mean, at, maybe I've just been watching too much Westworld, but I mean, 
Roger Goodell looked like a robot. Like I legitimately think like, oh, I could tell that's a host. Like that's, that's for sure a host and that's not a real human. And it was, you know, just like you said, Drew, it's like going to a friends of a friend's dinner. And after pleasantries, you don't know what to talk about anymore. Like he had a script right at the beginning. And then as soon as he had to go off script, he had no idea what to say. It was, it was embarrassing bad performance on his part. Just an overall trash human being. (laughs) Yeah. I fucking hate that guy. Like sometimes I'm like, why do people hate this guy? I know exactly why people hate this guy. He's like, he reminds me of Ted Cruz in a lot of ways, just the way he carries himself and is just <laughs> awkwardly cringy. But what what does Ted Cruz make you want to do? Uh, dude, Ted Cruz, Roger Goodell, they all have very punchable faces. Like their their face looks like they're built for a fist. Like you could go speed bag him with those things, just like Anyways. Throw Zuckerberg in that too. Because I'm pretty sure Zuckerberg and Goodell are made at the same factory. But Zuckerberg, he's, like, so skinny that his face looks like it's got a lot of bones in it. Like, it it might be really hard to punch. Whereas, like, Ted Cruz and Roger Goodell, they have just enough, like, beef on them that it would be, like, a really comforting thing. Like, almost like a stress reliever for your fist. (laughs) Anyways, um, do you guys like where your teams ended up? Brandon? Ah, fruit. For me, I'm, I'm doing the typical fan thing of where I instantly hated it. And then ever since the picks, I've talked myself into it. Uh, I originally hated, uh, for those that haven't listened, I'm, I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, born on the south side of Pittsburgh, uh, now living in Indy, but still, still diehard Steelers fan, hated the Chase Claypool pick. Um, a receiver was very low on our needs list. And you think I so? didn't understand it at all. What was that? I mean, I, I, I don't know why you think that receiver was that low on the on the needs list. You got, I mean, you got, what, Deontay, and you've got James Washington, and you've got Juju. What else? That's three receivers under the age of 23, all drafted within five years. And only one so of them is proven spending. to be anything above average. I, you're sleeping on Deontay Johnson. Uh, Deontay you Johnson's think he's proven be to be good. above average? Proven to be above average. He, if you look at what he did with Duck Hodges and and Mason Rudolph, um, I, I I was very impressed with Deontay Johnson last year. But anyway, I, not going into Steelers wide receiver depth chart. I didn't understand the Claypool pick uh, taking uh, a un didn't again very low in the third taking a former walk on linebacker from out of Charlotte was questionable. Um, the only pick that I really loved was Dotson, uh, the raging Cajun who looks like the next mauling Steelers lineman. Um, but again, I've talked myself into it to where I do think they address things in a positive. We were better than we were before the draft. I would have just done it. Different. Well, did anyone get worse because of the draft? <laughs> The Packers, the Packers definitely got worse because of the draft. I think that's more opportunity cost um, loss. Think, yeah, I my, my joke is that like who who actually got worse by addition? You know what I'm saying? Um, but Newman, what were your thoughts on your 
your team or teams, whatever, whatever yeah, you got. Clarifying question. What team are you referring <laughs> what, who, to? Who's your team these days? Who, yeah. So I, based on this I, year's draft, who's your team? I think, I think the jets had the better draft out of the jets and bucks. Um, I thought there was, you know, it was pretty steady. They, they, they traded back a couple times and picked up some extra picks and then utilized those picks wisely. Uh, and uh, so I, I gave the jets a solid B. I also gave the Steelers a B Brandon. Um, and then the bucks, I think that they did, Really well in terms of their first-round pick. Tristan Wirfs was a stud. It's the guy I wanted for him. I think he was the best tackle on the board. And, to you know, trading up one pick and, and sacrificing the four to get him, I think that was a good move on their part, especially when you've got Tom Brady and you need to capitalize on your current window. But I thought, you know, the second-round pick I, I liked, and then the rest of the draft I thought it was kind of a little bit reachy and not as much as a filling. They didn't fill as many needs, and they kind of just drafted okay depth guys but no impact players. So I gave the uh, the Bucks a B minus. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, Bucks hit it out of the park in the first round, and then they go back to their own ways in the second and third. Um, but holy shit, what a steal in the first! Uh, that is a move that will benefit them immediately this year, and probably for a decade. Plus. Oh yeah, for sure. But but what I'm saying is like in terms of like NFL ready guys, that's a guy right there you can plug and play at tackle. Um, love that pick. Uh, by the way, apparently the Vikings tried to move right ahead of him to take him. Right. That's why the Bucs had to trade up for 13. Yep. So um, I love what the Vikings did. It, it, it's definitely a, a weird, like, mini rebuild year for, for the Vikings. They they lost a lot of starters, a lot of starters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost like we refresh our, refresh our draft or our, our, our roster. A lot of guys are going to get cut, but we drafted 15 guys. By the way, that's an NFL record. Yeah, that's um, insane. It is insane. And and so what, what the Vikings like to do is they like to bring in volume, see what they can do at camp. See, Zimmer is such a great eye for talent. He can just look at a guy, you know, he's going to look at Gladney day one and s- be able to tell you if that guy's going to be a pro bowler in a couple of years. Like he's so good at just looking at talent and then knowing how he can use them. Um, so what he did is he loaded up on volume guys, cornerback, uh, they got their wide receiver in the first round, Jefferson, who I love at the pick that they got him at. Uh, just absolutely love the Vikings draft. Um, it loads them with a lot of talent that they can use immediately next year. It gives them a lot of depth at positions that they needed depth at, cornerback being number one. They also picked up a very serviceable safety. Overall, just absolutely love the draft. And then uh, one of the best picks of the second round, in the entire second round, the tackle out of... Um, why am I blank? Boise State? Boise State. Or, Ezra, Boise, Ezra Cleveland. Ezra yeah. Cleveland, who fits a zone-blocking offense so well. Um, and athletic tackles, the, the league has been evolving to suit athletic tackles like mm-hmm. Ezra. And so I'm just really curious. I mean, I think that guy's going to be a day-one starter. Yeah, there were some people that had him back end of the first round kind of potentially as one of uh, seven tackles that could go super high. So I, I really like that pick for them. I thought it was I gave the the Vikings draft a B plus, which is the highest grade that I gave out of any team in um, the NFC North. So uh, and I think for what the most you like about it, uh, I think just a little because they went with such the volume route, I would have liked to see them trade a couple of those picks maybe and acquire one or two higher valued picks and one or two maybe slightly more elite players. That's what I would have liked. Then they would have had an A from me, um, but a B plus B plus is pretty high still. 
Yeah, see, the Vikings are guys that they like to load up on guys in the fourth round because we have found so many steals. Everson Griffin, uh, Daniil Hunter, uh, we got even Stephon Diggs in the fourth round. Um, the Vikings have been extremely successful in the second through fifth rounds over the last 10 years. And so they're banking on just continued success there. There's something about Spielman. He's, he's got a good eye for talent around that area. Um, so I, I kind of like the volume approach. We talked about it in our last draft, you know, pre-draft pod, which is Spielman's a guy he likes to trade back and kind of get a lot more picks um, because, like we were talking about, it truly is a lottery when you think about it in the end. And so they they play that lottery hard, and they play it well. So I'll be curious to see how it goes. But out of the first round, or which non-first-round quarterback? Because we know the, the three first-round quarterbacks in the first round – um, who do you think is going to succeed the most outside of the first round? Uh, for me, uh, I, I think it's right here in Indianapolis. Um, Eason came and is going to get to learn under Rivers, who is a very hardworking, uh, puts-in-the-time type quarterback, and I think he's going to have a great mentor, albeit not for a long time, but still uh, a great season to – to learn the ropes underneath rod or underneath rivers and got a great coach here that is really good with quarterbacks. So that's, you know, non first round. I'm going to have to go with Eason here in Indianapolis. So, so the thing about this in terms of quarterbacks that I like, uh, I really out of the outside the first round. I mean, I think it's pretty, pretty uh, straight, straightforward that uh, the best quarterback is, is hurts. I, I like him. In general, as a quarterback, I think he could have been a first-rounder, and I wouldn't have been surprised had he been. But I do think that in terms of situation, that's not necessarily the best situation. Um, in terms of best situation for maybe success kind of thing, uh, the, the the quarterback that I liked was uh, the kid out of Hawaii. I, for, I'm blank on his name. It's Cole something or other. Um, but he, he went like as a six-round pick, and he's got, he's got some pretty interesting, you know, traits about him. He's played not obviously a high volume offense. So there's a lot to like there. And I think that that's a situation where given who he's backing up, uh, he has a better chance to succeed here going forward. Newman, what do you think about that Morgan guy that came out, uh, came out of the, FIU, the, I think the, and the Jets drafted. Uh, I like that is that a, the Jets? I, I think he's a, he's, he's got a kind of like a low, like a high floor, quality backup player that potentially could start for you. The Jets had real issues when Sam Darnold got hurt uh, last year, as you could see. So having a, a player that, you know, is a, maybe a little bit developmental, but potentially has some upside uh, is a good thing for the Jets. And uh, he actually uh, went to Bowling Green initially before he went to FIU and uh, was, was a guy who, you know, was, was a pretty interesting, even on the high school circuit uh, as a quarterback. So he, he's got some real skills to work with. I don't like any of them. Absolutely none of them. Um, outside of the top three quarterbacks, I, I really have not liked anybody beyond that. There's a lot of people on the Hertz train. I don't buy it at all. The guy is a below average passer. Um, he's a guy that is never going to be an elite pocket passer. And unless you build an entire offense around him, like Lamar Jackson. But the problem is I don't even think he's as at nearly as athletic as Lamar Jackson. So, I don't, I, I don't like Hertz, um, and I really don't like anybody else. So I'm, I, I can't really choose. 
Yeah, Drew, I, you must be looking at my notes because my answer uh, for this to prep was none. Uh, Eason was more gun to head just just to bring up conversation. But if, if I had to bet whether no quarterbacks were going to succeed outside the first round or the field, I would take none. I wouldn't take anyone in the field to have any sort of NFL starting career whatsoever. What are your guys' thoughts? By the way, one of the funniest memes I've seen this week was the uh, the Justin Herbert ESPN um, graphic that they made for him going to the Chargers. Look it up if you haven't seen it. It literally looks like a preview for like a Disney um, made-for-TV movie. Like the announcement of, of Herbert going to the Chargers is absolutely hysterical, but out of all the quarterbacks in the top three, I think the most intriguing is Herbert, just because of the situation that he goes into. He goes to a really good team already. Um, is Tyrod still the guy in San Diego? What or in LA? What What are your thoughts on Herbert? Yeah, I, as we as we talked beforehand, I don't like Herbert. Uh, he he just doesn't have it for me. Some people you can just watch and they have it. And, you know, Newman brought up. There weren't situations where Herbert either took over the game or made a big play. Just nothing shines about him whatsoever. So there's two quarterbacks really in in the Chargers organization, but I think they have none. I think the Chargers are wasting a lot of offensive talent uh, and not putting a quarterback uh, around a lot of those weapons. Uh, but th- just to go to your Disney movie, how cringy was it? Like his dad went to Montana State. And his uncle went to South Western Community College. And his brother, his brother's a tight end on Oregon, too. And there were all these cartoons. Like, I was like, what the hell am I watching? Is this for adults or is this for children? And they, they seem to really do that with Herbert a lot. And it was just like, what the fuck am I watching? See, I don't necessarily like Herbert all that much, but I think he goes in the best situation. So, I, to me... The reason I mentioned him is because I think he goes into the best roster. So I think you could see almost like a Dak Prescott like explosion over the next couple of years where maybe he's not, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he might be successful just because of the team he's around. That was kind of what I was getting at. Um, so I think he, I think out of all the quarterbacks that win the first round, he has the most intriguing, intriguing situation. Yeah, so I mean, that's a fair assumption or uh, assessment there. I, I do think in terms of the Chargers, I think Tyrod starts at least initially. Eventually, maybe uh, they turn to Herbert if if he struggles. But that's the thing about Tyrod is he doesn't really struggle. It's kind of just like you expect to be a little bit on the mediocre side. So they if they were to suffer some sort of losing streak or he gets hurt, then obviously Herbert would get inserted. Um, but I don't expect to really see him till the latter half of the season. Uh, when they fall out of the race. And I do think that they will fall out of the race because um, I think that the other teams in that division really did a good job of getting better. Plus, you have the Chiefs who are already really good. So I, I really like what the Broncos did, and I think that they're going to be more of a more of a factor. And then the Raiders, while I didn't particularly like their draft, it, it's okay. And uh, I think I think it still is going to hurt the Chargers in terms of what they do. Plus, the Chargers have this weird thing about them. It doesn't matter if they're playing in San Diego or L.A. They always suffer a ton of injuries. Why? I don't know. But they always – so don't ex- – I mean, don't expect them to survive training camp without having some key player get hurt. So um, the headquarters for my job when I lived out west was in San Diego, and I can tell you why people don't succeed down there. It's too fucking nice 
and there's too much shit to do for anyone to be actually successful at what they do. So everyone in the Chargers organization is just like, man, fuck, because they're playing in Orange County right now. Orange County is incredible. You can't walk five feet without seeing just a perfect 10. Like, there's there's so much to do just people watching. That Perfect 10 dog, right? Like, a, just a beautiful golden retriever or I, German shepherd. That, that's what you're talking about, right? When me, when, like me and, when me and Jackie moved out to Orange County, we had, like, a countdown of when we were going to find or when we were going to see our first fat person. And I think it ended on like day 47, like the first obese person that we saw in Orange County. You go up to Starbucks baristas and they'd be like supermodels, like Starbucks baristas, like taking selfies and posting on their Instagram. Their Instagram has like more followers than like Aaron Rodgers. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a weird situation going on out there. I can see why people aren't successful because it's there's too much to fucking do outside of what you're already doing. So was the fat person famous? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't remember who the first fat person was. Okay, so it wasn't that memorable. Gotcha. I think it was at like a restaurant, but yeah. So, but Southern California is like a di- a different place. But who who is your biggest steal and your biggest reach of the draft? For me, I hate saying this, uh, but the the biggest steal for me was Patrick Queen falling all the way to the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens just got their next uh, Pro Bowl linebacker for the next 10 years, uh, which is absolutely maddening. Uh, but outside of that one, because that seems uh, to be everyone's kind of go-to, but I also think C.D. Lamb kind of getting through the gauntlet of teams that were looking to wipe for wide receiver and going to 17, I think that was also a steal and then Xavier McKinney, who almost everyone had in the first round, sliding into the second round to the Giants. Uh, I think I think those three uh, are are the three biggest steals for me. Um, reach again, everyone kind of you know, other than who we've already already talked about with with love and love and the Packers. One that I thought was interesting was um, Edwards Hilaire going to being the first running back off the table and going to the Chiefs. Um, one of my roommates in college is a huge Chiefs fan. I was texting him throughout, and he was furious. Um, he didn't he didn't think they should go running back at all, let alone that running back. So um, for me, that's probably my biggest reach was was Edward Solaire, and then uh, then Patrick McQueen, biggest steal from the Ravens. So I mean, now that Brandon's done listing off every team, uh, my my biggest my biggest steal is definitely going to be. How does that feel, Newman? How does that feel for someone to take taste your own medicine, bitch? (laughs) The Arizona Cardinals with Isaiah Simmons uh, at eight was an abs like that. Right, I thought potentially he could have been the best player in this draft, could have been the best defensive player, and he falls all the way to eight. So, and then Arizona follows up by also getting Josh Jones in the third round, who had potentially a first-round grade at offensive tackle. So they addressed their two biggest needs, and Isaiah Simmons is absolutely, to me, the biggest steal. There's no question about it. Uh, Biggest reach, I'm going to go A.J. Terrell to the Falcons. Uh, I think that, you know, he he probably had a mid-20s round grade or something like that, but there were some people that thought maybe he should have fallen out of the first round. He's he's a decent player, but I think that – Thomas Dimitrioff gets too much credit for for being, uh, you know, mastermind of putting together some good teams, and I think for the most part he's gotten lucky. Yeah, so for I, I like both years, by the way. Um, the fact that I mean, we were actually talking about it last cast, and the over under I think was six and a half on on Simmons. 
which we thought was like, oh, go all in. The fact that he fell outside that is is insane, uh, and it was an absolute steal. I think he's arguably the best player in the draft. Um, I, was, I was hoping you didn't bring that up because I said I was going to mortgage my house, yeah. <laughs> and I'm now living in an apartment. Um, <laughs> it looks a little different over there for sure. Um, I'm going to go biggest steal of the draft. Well, actually, I'll, I'm going to start with biggest reach. I'm definitely going Hurts to the Eagles in the second round, not only because it wasn't a position of need, um, and it, it's again, it's kind of the same with the Packers where they're kind of like smiling, like we know what we're doing. We've done this before, but you didn't do it before you brought Foles in on a BS deal. You know what I'm saying? Like he was, a, I, I can't remember if they traded for him or if, if he was a free agent, I'm not really sure. I can't really remember. They, it was funny. The Rams and the Eagles swapped Foles and then something happened and they swapped back. And then that just fell into their lap, that whole situation. Foles played lights out, Flacco, postseason football. You'll never see that again. So if they think they're going to repeat that, they're absolutely insane. My biggest problem, though, isn't that they drafted a position of uh, that they didn't need because Carson Wentz is still there. It's that Jalen Hurts, to me, is not a second rounder. My biggest steal of the draft, I'm going to go digs with the Cowboys. Absolutely love what the Cowboys did with both their first and second round picks. They addressed two very big needs of theirs. Um, I think we'll talk about it later. I think the Cowboys crushed this draft, and I fucking hate saying it, but they crushed it. They hit every spot. I, I don't. I, I was I was looking up the for their first four picks, and I think every single one of them they drafted well beyond their uh, projections. So I, I just, I, I think they crossed the draft and we'll, we'll go into that a little bit later. But um, biggest reach for me is Jalen Hurts. I don't think it's really close, but now we're on that topic. So let's just talk about it. Cowboys, who won the draft for you guys? So my two most hated teams, um, well, the Ravens, I can't stand Baltimore. Uh, they can't stand the organization whatsoever, but there's always a fight for America's team, right? Whether that's the Pittsburgh Steelers or, or the Dallas Cowboys. So it pains me to say that those two teams in my mind had the best draft, um, the, the Baltimore Ravens and Dallas Cowboys. They, they, like Drew said, they got phenomenal value. They got players that are going to be starters and impact players on their teams for many years to come up and down, not just in, in the, Earlier part of the draft, both of them found value in the mid to late rounds. Uh, so, yeah, kudos. Who would have thought? We were all – a week ago, we were joking, saying Jerry Jones was somehow going to fuck this up, yet sitting on his Miami yacht, he somehow found a way to win the draft. That may have been the biggest surprise of the draft to me, that Jerry Jones, A, didn't fuck up and do it, did as well as he could. Can I, can I ask you a really quick question? I've I've read about it a little bit, but why is it that the Steelers hate the Cowboys so much? Is it because of the 70s, you know, that they were both arguably the best two teams of the 70s, or is it because the Steelers just got smoked by them in the 90s? I can't I can't really figure it out. I know that the Steelers hate the Cowboys, and I I I've, I understand the rivalry, but what is the reason that you hate the Cowboys so much? Most. I mean, it's kind of the reason why I'm such a big Steeler fan because my dad was a huge Steeler fan. My family, my, you know, my, both my mom and dad's family from Western Pennsylvania. So, I mean, it's just kind of in my blood. I hate them because my parents hate them. My parents hate them because their parents hate them. I don't, I, I have friends that are Cowboys fans. I like them all. But inherently, I dislike the Cowboys. 
possibly irrationally, possibly illogically. I don't have to have a reason, Drew. I don't like the Cowboys. Cowboys can suck a dick. It's the American way. It is. Yeah, isn't it true? You, you either uh, love the Cowboys or you hate them. <laughs> but who won the draft for you, Newman? So uh, I had four teams that got an A or A minus grade. The Ravens, to me, had the best draft. Uh, I thought that they, everything that they did, everything that they addressed uh, fits a need, fills a hole, and it's just so Ravens. They get some really good players. Um, running back in the second, you, you you can rank them the best with picking a running back in the second round. Yeah, so I'm I'm the don't draft. You don't need to draft running backs guy. I thought that J.K. Dobbins was underrated a little bit in this draft for running backs. I think he fits that system well, and I think that you know if you're going to take him, and I think it was his their second pick of the second round, by the way. So what they'd already addressed the wide receiver, and they'd already had their first round pick. So uh, in in Queen, which they killed. So as your third pick, you're getting a running back in the second round who I felt dropped too far. Uh, I'll, I'll take it. And then uh, I already addressed, I thought that the, the Cardinals had a really good draft with particularly Simmons and Josh Jones. Uh, I think I thought they did some other good things late in terms of addressing special teams and, de- and their defense. Um, and then the Redskins. I thought the Redskins had one of the better drafts in just the elite talent that they were able to get. Um, and for the Cowboys, the reason I, I gave them such a high grade was because I thought they took advantage of players dropping consistently and just took, you know, best player on their board despite where, you know, what their needs may have been. And a lot of times they did line up for them. So I'm going to go Bengals winning the draft, and here's why. Um, I think that you can have a exceptional draft just by hitting home runs on the first and second round, and that's exactly what I think the Bengals did. You go Burrow in the first. I've already said everything I need to say about Burrow. I don't really need to say more. I've, I've written like three articles on the guy. Go read him if you really want me to know how much I've been sucking that guy's dick since the national championship. And really before that, this page has been sucking their dick. I think Newman wrote an article back in like October touting him as... I think it was September, late September. Yeah, uh, basically saying he was the front runner for the uh, Heisman. It's a good article uh, and it turned out to 100% obviously be the case. But Burrow-Riggins, you get that duo. There's something also just kind of romantic about drafting a quarterback-wide receiver duo in the same draft. Those guys are going to get developed together. You're going to get their fifth-year options. So you're set for the next five years. And whether or not it takes Riggins a couple years to get on, you know, to develop him and uh, get him to a playable level, it doesn't really matter because they already have A.J. Green. Um, they have a lot of good wide receivers already in Cincinnati. And right. so I just, I love the one-two punch of those two picks. Um, but I think the best team of the draft was the Cowboys. Do, by do you far. think Mike Brown watched the national championship game? <laughs> I don't think he watches anything. Well, I mean, in the national championship <laughs> game, obviously you have Joe Burrow going off and doing his thing. And T Higgins had a great performance on his own end for the other side in Clemson. So yes. he, he, I mean, there you go. There's your wide receiver and quarterback. And he's just like, all right. So we, we were talking about setups and everything earlier. Um, how terrible was Zach Taylor's, at home setup. Like he had like one of those like really cheap conference like trade show booth setups in the background and then like a plastic table. Like <laughs> I saw a tweet that said uh, I didn't know Zach Taylor worked at Enterprise Rent a Car. 
<laughs> like that Cincinnati's setup compared to some of the other baller setups that were existing, I thought was just so Cincinnati. So on we were brand. Just talking about- so on brand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how about um? How about uh the uh, the Arizona head coach the 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 massive Looking mansion there. that he had that he had with the white walls white everything it looked like it was like oh my god that that that's a monster baller bachelor pad because this dude's still single it was so douchey (laughs) it was like come fuck me phoenix (laughs) and phoenix oblige oh phoenix will oblige trust me he's got to be killing it (laughs) he's got to be killing it with all the co-eds there oh my god did you that that property was just so douchey did you see the patchy grass in his backyard like the the little checkered yeah, yeah, grass. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my god! But it's uh, like if Patrick Bateman lived in Phoenix and during the modern times. That that's what I saw. It was just straight Patrick Bateman modern day. Except for Cliff Kingsbury has way more money. I was almost hoping to see like something a little bit more like sensational on camera. There were some awkward moments, but I was hoping to see something so fucking crazy, like someone doing drugs or, you know what I'm saying? Just like something really dumb, like a Laramie Tunzel, like draft day screw up, except for after they got picked, which would be even funnier. Like someone gets picked and you see someone just wander on a camera, like smoking a blunt or something like that. Like that would have really shaken things up. So let's move on to the draft is over. And what we like to do is make projections. So let's give some way too early projections. Who are the top five teams post draft? Uh, this this is the topic that I had that I struggled the most on coming coming here today. Uh, for me, the top three are pretty pretty clear cut. Uh, it comes reigning Super Bowl champs, Chiefs for me. Uh, then the Ravens. We just talked about how they won the draft. Uh, they're young in a lot of key spots, so they're they're going to have a great year two, year three jumps. So they're number two for me. Uh, I really like uh, the youth. Uh, everyone forgets how good of a draft the Saints had a few years ago. A lot of those guys are really starting to turn the corner. So th- that's my one, two, three, Chiefs, Ravens, Saints. Uh, I think you got to give it to the 49ers. I think they've had a good offseason. Uh, they were obviously very impressive into the Super Bowl last year. So I put them four. But that fifth team, really, really tough. Um, I'm going to go Bucks just because I'm so intrigued by that team. Uh, I don't, I don't, they, they, they've won the offseason, so that's the sexy pick. Uh, so I'm going to go Tampa Bay, but I think you can go Seattle. I think you can go Dallas. Uh, I think there's a, a couple different ways you can go there. But for that fifth and final spot, I'm, I'm slotting Tampa Bay, and I bet I re- regret that looking – Back in this pod uh, a couple months from now. <laughs> that is a shocker, Brandon. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, I, I mean, for the most part, I'm going to agree with Brandon. He has, you know, the top three to four teams are, are pretty set and clear. His order, I think, is a little screwed up. Uh, I don't know how the 49ers fall to four on your list when they just acquired Trent Williams to be, you know, a stud left tackle. Their team consistently has, you know, they took advantage of the of the Bucks and other teams wanted to come up to number 13 and, and acquired some extra picks. They still got the guy they wanted in Javon Kinlaw to, to, to replace to replace their Indianapolis, uh, the Indianapolis trade of uh, DeForest Buckner. So to me, I, I really love what 49ers did. To me, having them anything lower than two is a mistake. 
I really like what the Ravens did in the draft, and obviously they were one of the best teams in the NFL last year. So three for me is is where they slide in, and then four the Saints. Uh, you know, it's still just a really good team. You have the the window is still wide open. You acquire Emmanuel Sanders in the off season, uh, pre, pro, follow up a good draft with you know good off season and, and a generally good team. Um, the the Bucks were an interesting pick for you, Brandon. I think that that they definitely should be in that conversation. Um, but another team that's to me, the thing that we're leaving out is the rest of the AFC, right? Is kind of wide open after the Ravens and uh, the Chiefs. So who who else is in there? And you know, you could argue maybe the Texans or the Bills. Uh, how about the Titans? I thought they did a pretty good job. They're you know they beat the Patriots. They were they beat the Ravens in the playoffs. So to me, I'm going to slide the the Titans up there to number five for me. You like what the Titans have done in the offseason? Because I hate what they've done so far. I actually kind of do. Oh, um, you like their draft? So, so I'll, let, me, let me pull it up here. Um, they were one of the lowest-rated drafts by PFF, just to throw in. Yeah, so, I mean, PFF is looking at some different things than I am in terms of, like, the, where players are specifically rated. I oh, the, you mean like numbers and analysis and expert predictions and things like that? Is that is that what they're they're looking at and you're not, Newman? Well, so I thought that the Titans did a good job of addressing needs, and I thought they got some pretty good value on some of their picks. They it, What I have it as, I knocked it, I gave it a B um, because I think it lacks some upside. But generally, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't have a problem with the Titans draft. PFF is using crazy things like numbers when you got to go with your gut. No, uh, that, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying <laughs> at all. Um, but just chill. We're just 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 laughing. All right. So my top five teams. I don't even have the 49ers in my top five. Spoiler alert, bitches. Here's why. That uh, their secondary situation is very volatile. So Richard Sherman was the number one ranked cornerback in PFF last year. You saw a massive decline in his play towards the last towards the end of last year. I think that that is going to come back to bite them in a lot of ways. I, I think that they were one of these teams. You know what? You know what they reminded me of. This, you guys, I guarantee you, you will agree with this comparison. They remind me of the Vikings when we had Case Keenum and had the exact same record, thirteen and three. Went and got blown out by the Eagles. Obviously, things ended a lot differently for us, but we were really only one game back, and their team composition is extremely similar. Really, really powerful front seven on defense, right? Um, good secondary, very, very good secondary. Uh, good offensive line play, very, very volatile, questionable quarterback, not a great run game at the time. Um, and, you know, Dalvin Cook obviously tore his ACL towards the end of the year. Um, and a wide receiving core, you know, with some question marks. So they've addressed some of those issues, but I, to me, they just scream one hit wonder. And the amount of times that I see teams go to the Super Bowl and they don't have that guy at quarterback to bounce back the next year. First of all, the statistics on the team that loses the Super Bowl and the slump that follows is pretty significant. So I, I love the 49ers. And, and honestly, if I put them at six and you're going to hate my number five, you're going to hate it. Uh, but I'm going to go Chiefs number one definitively. I think definitively also, because I was telling you guys earlier, I think the top three is so easy. I'm going to go Chiefs number one, number two, Saints, three, Ravens, Number four, I really struggle with this, but I'm going Seattle. Um, I think if you're uncertain, you got to bet on quarterbacks, and there's no quarterback I'd bet on in the entire NFL outside of Patrick Mahomes than Russell Wilson. Um, and it's weird. You know, 
I found it so fascinating last year what Seattle did because they went in the end of the season and they looked so bad in so many areas. And then like, as they went along, they kind of built the train, like as they were, you know, rolling along the tracks, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they brought in Clowney. Uh, they made different acquisitions on the offensive line. And I just, I feel like Pete Carroll is going to be able to continuously do that. Whereas if they start out flat, he can go out and kind of address those issues. I love what they do on the GM side and, and what they're able to do in season. And I obviously love Russell Wilson every time. So number five, give me the Vikings, baby. And here's why. I think that the Vikings lose nothing with the guys that we lost. We traded Stephon Diggs. We replaced him with Jefferson. I think Jefferson ultimately becomes the better player. I also really like him in the first year. And a lot, a lot of other people don't seem to like that. He's actually a pretty good route runner, Jefferson. Um, he's got blazing speed. He's faster than Diggs. So I don't think we lose anything with the Diggs loss. Um, we bring in more depth on our offensive line, which is really what destroyed us last year. The year that we went to the NFC Championship, we had a phenomenal offensive line. I think what you're going to see, it was a phenomenal offensive line play, I should say. I'm sorry. No. It was, it, the offensive line was not good. So that's what we were able to do with a bad offensive line. This year, I truly believe we have a better team than that year. And we have added so many strengths to our offensive line. Watch out for the Vikings this year. I think we underperformed. I don't know if a lot of people don't know this. The Vikings went two and four last year in the NFC North, including four wins to the Packers and Bears. To the Bears. We lost twice to the Bears. I don't think you're going to see upsets like that early on in the season. And there were a lot of upsets with the Vikings early on last year. I think that they were a better team than they showed. And they're going to get even better going into this year. So, any other like? Yeah, that's that's that's, that's crazy surprising. Um, if you would have told me that a week ago, I would have been like, the Packers are a clear notch above Minnesota. But then, what did they do? What did they do? Self infliction on the Packers, and the Vikings get better in key areas. A week ago, I would have thought you were insane. Some insane things happened. The draft, the Vikings took 15 players, which we already addressed the benefits of that. Uh, and then the Packers shot themselves in the foot. So while I don't think Minnesota is a top five team, I think they put themselves in the driver's seat in that division for sure. So, um, yeah, that's, again, not top five, but I didn't think of Minnesota before that, before you mentioned it. I, I don't hate the Minnesota call there. Um but the Seattle one is the one I have the issue with. So I actually didn't like their draft at all. I thought they reached a lot. I think this team still hasn't addressed the offensive line enough. Russell Wilson has to run for his life every single year. One of these days he's going to get hurt, and then they're going to be screwed, right? They still haven't, they didn't even draft a tackle. How does that team not draft a single tackle? They took two tight ends, though, and, you know, I mean, they, they reached on a linebacker in the first round. It, to me, it seems kind of clueless, especially in a draft where you had potentially seven offensive tackles you could have taken. You you couldn't find one to take in that round. See, but that That's actually what I didn't mention, and, and that's what I was kind of getting at with them building the train while they're rolling along the tracks, which is that I don't like their draft either. So I, I didn't mention that in my rant about them, but I don't like their draft either. In fact, the last year they made a bunch of really bonehead offseason moves, and they just kind of got it together during the season. So I wonder if they can do that again. And again, like I said, um, they might, they may not be the fourth best team, but they have Russell Wilson, and I think in terms of record wise, they could win 
12, 13 games. That's what I'm saying. Right. But I mean, you you took them over San Francisco, a team in their division, and cited that San Francisco's secondary has issues. What about Seattle's secondary? They were bad last year. San Maybe Francisco doesn't have many, Russell Wilson. How, how many yards did they give to the Bucs last year? Simple. Always bet on the quarterback. I mean, yeah, if you want to, if you want to just go with every the quarterback year. ranking, I guess you can do that. But in terms of the rest of the team, I have serious questions. And if Russell Wilson suffers an injury, where do you put that team? Last? How many games is Russell Wilson missing his career? I mean, yeah, but he's he he he's a mobile quarterback. It's bound okay. to, especially as much he's as he's been he a mobile the, quarterback his whole career, if I can recall correctly. Right. But as you age, do you think you get hurt more or less? I don't know. Russell Wilson doesn't show he can get hurt at all. Well, yeah, but that offensive line is going to get him killed someday. Mm, I look I look for uh, Alex Smith didn't get ever hurt until he had a broken leg by uh, the Watt brother at, uh, for the Steelers. I think I don't understand the comparison. But uh, guys like Brett Favre don't get injured until they're 41 years old. There, there is a certain, there are unlucky hits like Alex Smith, and then there's guys that are structurally durable. Russell Wilson is a short, stout, large-boned man who doesn't get hurt. Either that or he's just super tough. Both work to his benefit. So to say that just because he's older now, he's going to get hurt, there's no evidence really to support that. What I'm saying is because they've failed to address the offensive line and give him and force him to run for his life, he is more prone to getting hurt because he has to take more hits. I have more faith in Seattle figuring it out in in season with the better quarterback than I do the 49ers. That that's my point. That that's where they get the edge over 49ers. And again, I said 49ers would be quotes number 6. Um, right past the Vikings, but I mean, listen, we'll see. We'll you, see. Also, you also gave credit to Pete Carroll and basically didn't give credit to Kyle Shanahan, who is a mastermind offense coordinator and has coordinated two teams to the Super Bowl in the last three years. He's also coached the two biggest losses in NFL history in the second half. So anyways, um, uh, no, in, in Super Bowl history, not, <laughs> not, uh, R- real quick here, I just want to know only at the sports meme range, will you get an analyst, Drew, Drew Forbes, who measures bone density. Um, oh, you'll only get that at uh, at the sports memory. Um, well, big so bone men. It, he is, he actually is a big bone human being. Uh, he's he's one of the obviously mean, but- he's one of the most short statured humans in the NFL or in terms of quarterbacks. Um, and yet he has like the largest hands. He's what I'm saying is he's a big person. If you ever met somebody and they're not tall, but you're just like kind of like in awe, they're hulking presence. He's one of those guys. He's just like wide, and for some reason, you know, some sometimes guys like that aren't are, are actually injury prone. He's not. The guy is is built to metal. Don't get me wrong. I love Russell Wilson. I think he's one of the most underrated players in in you know in the entire fo- uh, National Football League. Even though he's like one of the highest paid players, um, but yes, we had a conversation about it. It's like, all right, if you're starting your team today, this was mid season last year. Uh, how many quarterbacks are you taking over Russell Wilson? Right, and one. the answer's basically one. Right, yeah. Mahomes is the only guy. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I. My my pick of Seattle over San Francisco has me has everything to do with me betting on the quarterback, um, and also betting on past experiences. And last year, I think Seattle went into the the season with a really weak roster and some obvious weaknesses. I think they shorted up and they looked really. 
damn good towards the end of the stretch. Yeah, I I just have too many questions right now about their roster to sure. to give them that's that, fair. that that top five. No, that's spot. fair. It's all subjective. It's all subjective. Um, so when is Newman's deadline this year to pick a team for the season? And uh, is he even a fan that we even have to ask that? The answer is nobody cares, and the other answer is no. Um, uh, but no, I, I want to hear it from the horse's mouth, Newman. Um, who who is your team? When are you giving yourself a deadline for when you get to choose whether you go Bucks or Jets, or are you just a, a Poly fan? And, I, I typically uh, don't you know. root against either of those teams, other than if it benefits them. Like when you're already bad, you should you might as well lose some games so that you can get a higher draft pick. Uh, so I, I don't like choose between the two teams really often because I don't really need to very often. Uh, if you're forcing me to my head and say, which team am I going to support this year? Or which team do I think has a better chance to win? That's clearly the Bucks. Keywords this year. Clearly. C- correct. Yeah. Once Tom Brady's gone from the Bucks, when are you their, doing their, their Super Bowl aspirations are probably, probably a little farther, farther back. What, what was the question, Brandon? When are you getting your uh, Tampa Bay TB12 Brady jersey? <laughs> uh, I think I'm done investing in jerseys of players that are currently playing. I think I will only go the route of this player was a Hall of Famer for my team. That's kind of sad. Yeah, I know what to bring for draft weekend for you. Then. That's right. <laughs> well, guys, we're pretty much at the end here. So um, any any other thoughts? Uh, and Newman, how many uh, how many rounds did you watch? Curious. Uh, I mean, I didn't have the TV glued to one uh, to to the to the draft the whole time, but I probably saw picks in all seven rounds. See, I think watching anything beyond the second round is just insanity to me. That's like Pro Bowl style. Like, there's so much lag time in between. What else like, is there to watch right now, realistically? Literally anything else. I, I, there was, is cra- I was so craving. I was craving the the knowledge being dropped on me. I see, but you know what's funny about knowledge is you can pick it up a lot quicker when it's written the next day. You're gaining no edge by watching it live. Zero. You you can watch a recap in 20 seconds the next day and not lose a thing. All you lose out on is the cringe factor, though. He's picking up on the cringe factor. Eh, there wasn't that much advertised cringe after the second round. And it, even if there was, it's guys you don't even give a shit about. Or guys that probably bust. Makes it even cringier. I've never been a, like, fifth, sixth, seventh round guy. Like, I, I <laughs> to me, it's just useless. But I get why people were doing it this weekend, for sure. Anything else? Yeah, last thing. I've, I've only known Newman. I've known Newman for a little over a year now. And I... We give him a hard time, but he probably knows the most about sports than anyone I know. Oh, for sure. Um, I actually consider him the well actually guy. Like, if you're wrong about the most obscure thing, Newman will call you out for it. So I know I give him a hard time for for his knowledge, but uh, there was no doubt to me that he watched uh, parts of all seven rounds. Uh, So kudos to you, Newman. Definitely the overcorrection king. Um, It's all about the details. It is. It is. But guys, we're at the end here. So this has been the Sports Memory Podcast. This was our uh, our draft kind of recap. Uh, this will be released tomorrow, Thursday. If you enjoyed it, please give us a like or a follow. Um, I love you all very much. And uh, Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings.